Well, good morning, church. Glad that you're here today. And uh, we just want to take a moment and we want to celebrate what happened last week. If you weren't here, we had uh, uh, evangelist Tim Lee came and spoke, and he was amazing. Um, If you were here uh, as the church, you did a great job of inviting people to come and be part of that. Um, Many of you came in on Sunday mornings, and for the last month, you saw these little packages sitting on your seat, and you kind of figured out a way to shovel it off to the back or off to the side. Somebody else can pick up. Some of you picked them up and took them with you. And I just wanted to do something this morning. If you were one of those that you invited somebody, you put a Facebook post, you handed out a card, you told your neighbor, you told a friend, if, you, if that's you, raise your hand. Just, we just want to celebrate this this morning. If you had somebody that showed up, because there's nothing, there's nothing more exciting than inviting people than having somebody show up. You know, like you're like, you know, people, they're, they're kind. They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come. And uh, then we had, we had neighbors that came, and it was, it was just it was awesome. We have neighbors here this morning, and uh, it's awesome when they, when they come and, and are part of, our, part of the services here. How many of you had somebody show up for you? That's awesome. And as, as, a, as a church going out and inviting people and people coming, we had 86 people receive Christ as Savior this last weekend. Yeah, we can celebrate that. 86 people made that profession of faith, and it is an awesome thing to know that we as a church did that. Um, it was just an effort, and many of you, you took it on Pastor Scott's word that Tim Lee was going to be awesome. You know, he got up and he, he promoted it, and, and uh, then you saw him get up here in his, in his wheelchair, and uh, you were like, bring on the awesome, and uh, he brought it. It was, it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And we're praying that God continues to use that last weekend in the life of, of our church. And we as a church, that, that is what we're set out to do. That's, that's what God started the church for, was to have things like last weekend that, uh, that, we, can, that we can be a, a part of. And this week, we get to kick off a new sermon series. And uh, Pastor Scott, he came in uh, uh, two weeks ago, and he said, hey, he said, um, you know, Tim Lee's going to be here next week. I'm like, yeah. He said, so I want you to preach the following week. I'm like, oh, okay, so the guy, 86 people saved, and now me. That's great. Thank you. (laughs) Success here, yes. Um, He's like, well, because I'll come back next week, and I'll just, you know, it'll be all uphill from there. I'm like, yes, it will. It'll be great. So... He, uh, he started talking. He's like, you know what? He said, um, missions, we have missions in the month of November. And uh, if you've not been here very long, uh, on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, the church has al- always celebrated missions. And missions can mean something different to everybody. So you may have an idea of what missions means to you. Sometimes missions is uh, going, on, going to a mission downtown Detroit and you're serving there. Some of it may be in your local community. Some of it may be overseas, that there's a missionary that, that is overseas. But no matter what it is, missions has a connotation in your mind. And our church, will, for the month of November, is going to celebrate missions. And so, Pastor Scott, he said, uh, he said, all right, so what are your ideas? I'm like, I, I don't have any ideas. Like, you just came in, and you're 
saying, this is what we're going to do. He said, all right, so you think about it. I'll think about it. And we'll talk again. And so I'm like, I'm not thinking about it. He's just going to come back and tell me what we're doing. So I'm okay with that, whatever you want. So he, he came back and he goes, I got it. I said, okay, what, what are we doing? He said, we're going we're gonna to go global. I'm like, okay, so obviously, uh, if you don't know our pastor, he's 80% deaf. And uh, so sometimes when he pronounces things, you have to be like, wait, say that again? So he said, we're going to go global. And I'm like, okay, so obviously there is something in translation here. I'm not understanding. He said, I said, say that again? He said, we're going to go global. So as soon as he said that, my mind ran to Jeff Foxworthy. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm signed up for the redneck word of the day. And uh, I get those and, and I like those. And so as Scott was telling me about Glocal, I was not even paying any attention to him. I was thinking about Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> and my mind went to, so here's a, here's a couple of words that I thought you would appreciate and could work into your, your vocabulary for this week. Spectators. Spectators. So here's how you would use that. Broccoli is fine, but I spectators would taste a whole lot better with that steak. <laughs> so you can use that. Or pasteurize. I walked right past your eyes and you didn't even see me. So Scott's talking about glocal and I'm thinking over here and then so I had to you know, retrain my brain like, okay, pay attention to what he's saying. And he's like, okay, so here, here's what the idea is. We're going to go glocal. And he said global and local. We, have, we want our church to be in mission in all of the places. And as we got talking, you know, this here that we do, this is not what Jesus started. For us to come here on Sunday, show up for a service, and go home. That's not it. This is our rally time. This is where we come in and we get excited about seeing 86 people saved. We have an opportunity to invite friends and neighbors and, and people, co-workers to come and to be able to hear somebody like Tim Lee, an evangelist, who if you've, if you've ever met evangelists, evangelists truly are very unique people. They come in and, and they preach. And, and church, let me tell you that we as a church, it wasn't just Pastor Scott, it wasn't just the evangelist that spoke, is we as a church we did what God intended for us to do, to go out to invite people to come and to hear what, what the, the message of the scriptures is. As we, if you look and you, you see some of the disciples that were called, one of the disciples that Jesus called went to a man by the name of Nathaniel. And uh, Nathaniel just had doubts and questions and wonders. And, and the disciples said, man, just come and see. Don't worry about your questions right now. Just come and see. And that man came and he saw Jesus and, and became a follower of Jesus just because somebody invited him. And that's what we did as a church. That's our job is to invite people to come and to hear. And not, there's going to be questions that we can't answer. But we're just, we're just told to invite people to come and to see and to meet Jesus. And when they do, Jesus answers all, all those questions. And so we did that. And this month, as we, as we kick off the sermon series, we're going to be talking about what the, what the job of the church is. You see, sometimes we think that if, if we just show up on Sunday, you ever, you ever I'm, I'm sure this has never happened to you, but you wake up, you all probably wake up on Sunday morning going, I can't wait to go to church. 
If you're like me, there's some mornings, like this morning, I'm like, I don't want to go to church. I know who's speaking. I don't want to hear that guy. <laughs> we, we have times where we wake up and we're like, oh, man, I'm just, I'm so tired. I've got all this stuff I've got to do. And we're like, all right, I've got to drag myself to church. But church, that's, we together, the collective body is the church. This is not what God intended when he said, I'm going to build my church. Yet this is part of it. But his intention was not for us to just come and sit here. His intention was for us to come to this place, this local body, come to this place, be ministered to so that then we can leave this place and go out and minister to the people around us. One of, um, one of the things that when we moved into our neighborhood, we are the type of people that we like to meet and, and, and know our neighbors. We don't just push the garage door on our car, drive in, shut the garage door, and don't pay any attention to our neighbors. We like to know our neighbors. But I, knew, I, I learned this growing up. We had a neighbor. Her name was Phoebe. Phoebe Maynard was, her, was our neighbor. And when we moved in, uh, as, as a, a seventh or eighth grader, we moved into this house, and Phoebe made it known right away what was hers and what was ours. She had, we had a joining driveway, and it was gravel. So I don't know how Phoebe knew it, but every day she would go out to the driveway, and she would pick gravel up off of her driveway and put it in ours, and pick gravel out of ours and put it in hers. She knew what was ours and what was hers. And she would go over and, I mean, just things that as a kid I'm looking at going, I'm scared of her. And my parents then said, you know what? God put us next door to her to minister to her. So I said, that's good for you. You guys can minister to Phoebe. I'm going to stay away. And one, one time Phoebe got really sick. And uh, she had a hospital bed in her, in her living room. And my mom would take dinner over to her just about every night. And one night she handed me the tray and she's like, here, you take dinner to Phoebe. I'm like, I might not come back. I mean, I'm a seventh grade boy. I'm little. And she said, you take it over and you, you tell her, you talk to her for a few minutes and tell her that uh, if she needs anything, just to let us know. And so I went over and I talked to her, but my parents trained me that your neighbors are there for you to minister to and to love on and to show the love of Christ to. That's who you are there for. In, this morning, as we, as we talk about what the church is created for. Why are we here? What, when, when we become followers of Christ, what we, are, what we are supposed to do, not just here. Sometimes people, they show up and they're like, man, I am here because I know that I can, I can get that good chocolate creamer. And uh, it's too expensive to buy at home, but at church I can load up and I can have that. Some of you come in and you've got kids and you're dragging your kids in and you're like, I just get a free hour of babysitting. I can't wait just to have the kids go away. Um, for, for, but you know what? The kids, we don't have childcare or babysitting here at church. We have our kids in a, in a place where they are ministered to. The adults that are with your kids, the teenagers that are with your kids are ministering to your kids. They're teaching them the, the Bible stories. They're, they're singing songs about Jesus with them. They're telling them the goodness of God. 
And they're sharing with them that God loves them, helping those little ones that are crawling around on the floor, drooling all over the place, letting them know from that age that God loves you. They are ministering. And so our, our church is not a place that we come in and just, we get to sit. Our church is a place where we get to minister to. And so we enjoy when we come to church and we get to minister and we get to sing. We don't sing songs just to let the people around us hear our good voice. We sing songs because we are sending an incense, a, a savor that God breathes in and he says, those are my people. And we get to worship who he is and what he does. But this thing that, that we call the church, we are supposed to go glocal. If you, if you have your Bible, you can open it to Luke chapter number 24. Sometimes if you, if you don't have your, your Bible with you, you can download the, the Bible app on your phone and you can take the Bible with you wherever you go. And you can look at that. And, and I have that on my phone and I, I go to different meetings or whatever and I have a few minutes and I'll pull up my Bible app and there's Bible reading plans and all sorts of stuff on there that you can use. And I just encourage you to follow along in, in the Bible. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screens and you can follow along there as well. But in Luke chapter number 24, starting in verse number 35, let me just get you to where we are right now as we begin the, the reading of this. Jesus has died. Jesus brought his disciples and they've gone into Jerusalem. The disciples thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government. He was going to set up his kingdom. Jesus was taken captive. Jesus was crucified and Jesus died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb and he rose three days later. And now he spent the last 40 days going and showing up to his disciples, sometimes one-on-one, sometimes in twos, in larger groups. But he was showing himself to his disciples and he was saying to them, see all of the things that I told you, they've come true. And now I'm appearing to you because I have one last thing that I want to tell you. And in Luke chapter number 24, starting in verse number 35, it says, then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Can you imagine? Just, just put yourself in the setting as we, as we read the scripture. Sometimes we read the Bible and we don't even put ourselves in that setting. Could you imagine being... I mean, just think about this. How many of you have a child or a husband that likes to scare you? Yeah. Maybe it's your wife that likes to scare you as a, as a man. Or, you, you know, you just have that kid that just loves and, and knows somehow it's a sixth sense that they know that when you aren't paying attention, you're totally absorbed into something, they can just sneak up right behind you. And they don't say much. It's just, mom. And you just, you freak out. You just yell, throw things, and it's like, you know, they, it, it's an awesome thing. Um, but sometimes we, we have that. But could you imagine these disciples talking to each other and saying, man, we were walking down the road. We were headed to Emmaus, and all of a sudden this guy shows up, and we are just so distraught over what's been happening. And we're talking to each other, and then, we, then I asked him a question, and this guy had the answer. And so we started talking, and then we got to this place, and we sat down to eat, and as soon as he broke the bread, we were like, it's Jesus. And he was gone. And we ran back here. We wanted to tell you, we just saw Jesus. In verse number 38, why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. 
You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Could you imagine, have you ever been reading your Bible and uh, you have no idea what it says? Like you read a verse and you're like, uh, I don't know. And so you, you go to your husband or your wife and you're like, surely they'll know. And you ask them like, hey, what's this verse mean? And they're like, I don't know. So you're like, I know who will know. Let's ask Pastor Scott. So you text Pastor Scott. Hey, Pastor Scott, I was reading this verse and I don't understand what it means. What does it mean? And Pastor Scott goes, I don't know. And you're like, well, great. I don't know what that means. But then there's other times that you read scripture and all of a sudden something just kind of leaps off the page at you and you're like, oh, I see it now. Could you imagine Jesus standing there going, all right, you guys, you are not understanding what is going on here. Let me just open your minds to allow you to understand what is happening. And all of a sudden, they're just filled with this. <gasps> Can't you imagine how they felt understanding what God was trying to teach them and tell them? In verse number 46, then he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is therefore forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Now, we're reading out of the book of Luke. Luke, so many people think that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were disciples. Luke was not a disciple. He was not a, a follower of Christ in one of those 12 disciples. Luke was a doctor. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. If you were to look at Acts chapter number 1, in verse number 1, it says, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus. So he is writing and he's saying, Theophilus, I wrote to you in my first book, which is the book of Luke. Now in the book of Acts, he's saying, I'm going to follow up with a couple of things. And we'll get to the book of Acts in just a minute. But Luke was a doctor. Luke lived at the same time that the apostle Paul lived. Paul traveled around. Paul was beaten up. Paul was stoned. Paul was cast in prison. Paul was uh, beat with a rod. Paul was, uh, all sorts of things happened to Paul and he needed a doctor to be with him. And Luke was the doctor that stayed with Paul throughout Paul's ministry. So Luke and Paul, if you think about them living at the same time, which was about 30 years after Jesus lived. But Luke writes this book of the book of Luke. And he's, there's a couple of things that I want you to see this morning. So if you have your, if you have your hand out, we're going to be on point number one here. I am exactly where God wants me to be. I am exactly where God wants me to be. Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 47, 
It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all of the nations beginning in Jerusalem. Now think with me what's happening at this time in Jerusalem. All of the people are gathered in Jerusalem and they're, they're there for the big celebrations. People from outside of Jerusalem have come. Jesus has been crucified. His body is missing and everybody's looking for the disciples. The disciples are saying, I want to go home to Galilee. I want to go to Bethany where we have friends and they'll minister to us. I want to go every place else except right here. But God said, no, I want you to stay in Jerusalem because this is where the gospel is going to start. Do you realize this morning that where you are is exactly where God wants you to be? Your neighbors that you live next to, those are the people that God wants you to minister to. When we moved into our house, there was a lady to the, to the left of us. Her name is Marcia. And Marcia, when we moved in, it was, it was cold weather, and so you kind of stay inside. But as it got warmer, I would come home, and I would hear a voice yelling at me from her garage. Marcia, I would peek around her car, and there she is sitting at a table, sometimes reading a book, sometimes doing a puzzle. But she said, it's warm weather. I'm sitting in my garage, and I yell at people when they go by. I said, okay, Marcia. And there would be times that I would go over and as I got to know Marcia and she got to know me, she would give me a hard time and I would give Marcia a hard time. And we began to develop this relationship where we began to pick on each other. And we began to be able to, God opened a door for us to be able to minister to her. And we were able to be an encouragement and a help to her. And sometimes she'd call and say, hey, could you come help me with this thing? And, or we'd be outside. And she's like, hey, could you come help me carry this? And I, I, uh, my, my walker tipped over in my van and I can't get it set up straight. And we'd just help her however we could. God gave us the people around us to minister to. Do you realize the people around you, the ones that feel like the thorn in the flesh that Paul had, those are the ones that God wants you to minister to? They're hard to minister to sometimes. Sometimes it's easy, like Marcia, it's easy to minister to her. But sometimes there's people that just seem like, like Phoebe growing up, that just difficult to minister to. But God said, these are the people that I want you to minister to. God has planted you in a mission field that he has given for you to take care of. That mission field that you're in, that job that you're at, that, that, that neighborhood that you're in, that, the church that you're in, you know, we come in and we, we see people and sometimes we get to know them and we look forward to seeing them and talking to them. But God has you here to minister to the people around you. When you come and sit down, you know what you should do? Talk to the people around you. Not now. Earlier. Uh, talk to the people around you. Greet people. Welcome them. Get to know their names. You all sit in the same place every time. Like you should know where you, you know, the people around you. Some, maybe somebody this morning is sitting in your seat and you're mad at them. Go... <laughs> Go talk to them. Like, don't confront them. Just gently talk to them. And, uh, you know, like, hey, what are you doing? I mean, this is my seat. Um, but you can, you, can, you can get to know the people around you. God put us in this place to minister. If you look, if you change how you view things and say, God is directing my steps. Scripture tells us this. So the steps that I'm taking are the steps that God wants me to take. That if God's directing my steps and the people I come in contact with are the people he wants me to minister to. So who can I minister to today? Who can I just show the love of God to? That is where we start. Jesus said to his disciples, stay in Jerusalem, start in Jerusalem. The gospel's going to go from here. 
Number two, I cannot do what God created me to do until I have the Holy Spirit's power. I can't do it. I can't do. I, I can be a neighbor, but I can't be the neighbor God wants me to do. I, can't, I can be a coworker, but I can't be the coworker that God wants me to be unless I have the Holy Spirit's power living inside of me. We had evangelist Tim Lee. And evangelists, they are very unique people. If you got to spend time with him, um, he was a Marine. He is, I mean, even though he is in a wheelchair, there was just something in me that said, do not smart off to that man. He will take you down. And uh, I did not want to be taken down by him. So I didn't. Evangelists are very unique. God created them with, with the gifting of, of an evangelist. As a kid, I heard, um, as a kid, I say, early, in my early 20s, I heard a, a man that was an evangelist, and he talked about how he would go and he would give the gospel out. And he was just, just bold in his faith. And he would go and he would tell people about the gospel. And he told this story about how he, was, he went to the hospital, and as he was visiting somebody, a nurse came in, and he began to witness to this nurse, and he went through how he did that. And it wasn't but just a short time after that that I went to the hospital and I was visiting somebody and a nurse came in. And what popped into my head was how that evangelist got the gospel to that nurse. And so I thought, I can do that too. So the nurse came in and uh, I said, uh, I said, hi. I said, uh, you know, my dad's a doctor too. Now, understand, I'm not talking about my physical dad. I'm talking about my heavenly father. I said, my dad's a doctor too, because I believe that God can heal, right? So my dad's a doctor. And she goes, oh, really? How long has he been a doctor? I'm like, a really long time. She said, oh, really? What, what hospital does he work at? I'm like, well, he works at all of them. You know, now she's like, what? I said, yeah, he, he, he works at all, all the hospitals. It's like, oh, really? What, what floor? All, all the floors. She's like, what? I'm thinking, this is going way off the rails because, like, he made it sound so easy to be able to get, like, I was just trying to do a method. I was trying to regurgitate something that I had heard. I didn't have the Holy Spirit working through me because there's nothing that I can say or do that's going to change anybody's life. It has to be God working through us. It, there's, there's no effort that I can put, there's no method that I, can, that I can use that draws people. Yeah, I can, we can hand out cards. We can invite people. But God is working through the things that we're doing and we ought to always be praying, God, who do you want me to minister today? As you get up in the morning, God, direct my steps. Bring my path across the people that you want me to minister to, to today and, and help me to know who those people are. It may be in the grocery store. It may be at work. It may be at home. It may be at church. But God wants you to minister to people through his power. But we have to first stop and ask him for his power. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, it says, But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, too many people, they, 
want to move before they receive power. It ought to, it ought to be our first thought in the morning, God, will you move within my heart? Will you fill me and allow me to speak as you would speak and, and, and minister as you would minister and reach the people you want me to minister to, to today? Vance Havner, a pastor from years ago, he said this, Never has the church had so much wire stretched and so little power in it. You see, we try doing things on our own. We try parenting on our own. We try disciplining our kids. And, you know, God, we, we can talk all we want, but if we don't have God speaking through us. I try to be the husband that I'm supposed to be. If I do it without God's power, I'm not the husband that I should be. I'm not the co-worker. I'm not the friend. Unless I have God's power running through me. And so it's not doing more things and being stretched more. It's taking the time to say, God, will you fill me? And I'm waiting for it. Number three, me plus God equals the impossible. Not me. Me doesn't equal the impossible. Me plus God. And if in the, in the book of Acts, chapter number two, you can go and you can read that, that, G, that it gives the account of after the disciples, they were gathered in one place. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is going to fill you. And they began to minister to the people in Jerusalem where God wanted them to minister to. And as they began to minister, people came running because they heard the, the, the chaos that was going on. And they said, we hear the gospel in our own language. How is this possible? These are unlearned Galileans. How could they, how could they speak our language? How could we hear it? And they were amazed at the fact of what God was doing. You see, Peter, when he got up and he spoke, Peter was the same guy that just a few days ago stood in front of a, a young lady at a fire warming his hands. Jesus had been taken. Jesus was being questioned and beaten by the Romans. And Peter was standing by a fire warming his hands and a little girl came up to him and said, aren't you one of those guys that walked around with Jesus? And he cursed and denied that he even knew who Jesus was. And now in the book of Acts, chapter number 2, we see Peter standing up and preaching to the people that were visiting Jerusalem. Later on, we see Peter talking to the religious people that were in Jerusalem in the temple. We see, we see Peter talking to the religious leaders saying, I cannot help but speak and say the things that I have seen and heard. Boldness comes when you have the Holy Spirit running through you. And so many times we think that, yeah, but that's, that's Bible times. Like that, we read that in the scripture, but does God work like that today? Is God moving in our world today as we see him in scriptures? I'm glad you asked that question because I have the answer for you. I'm going to show you a couple of pictures. I'm going to give you one thing first. The book of Acts is waiting for our story to be added to the work that Jesus started. You see, the book of Acts started the church. If you go to the end of the book of Acts, it's not done. Like it, it kind of drops off without feeling completed about what's happening. That's because the book of Acts is just the, the beginning of the beginning. And we are still writing the book of Acts today. We're still fulfilling what Jesus started almost 2,000 years ago. Jesus started the church, and we are the completion of that. We are still writing the story. We're still 
asking people to come and receive the gospel. We're still from Jerusalem. We are the uttermost parts of the earth and we are giving the gospel out from here so that people can say yes to Jesus. I'm going to show you a couple of pictures here. There's a man by the name of Montfort. He is a Haitian that was a witch doctor. In Haiti, voodoo is carried out just like we see churches today here in America. And you'll walk down the streets and you'll see voodoo ceremonies, just people parading, carrying out their voodoo ceremony as they walk down the street. A lady, female missionary, was in Haiti and she was talking to a Haitian and the Haitian pointed out Montfort's home and said, that's where the witch doctor lives. She walked over to the witch doctor and she said, this, was, this happened in 2011. She walked over to the witch doctor and she said, you need to give up what you're doing and you need to come to Jesus. And nobody have ever, had ever told him that before. And he started asking questions. Who is this Jesus? How can I get to know him? And she began answering his questions. And he took all of his stuff. After he received Christ, he took all of his stuff, dug a hole, put it in the hole in the village, put it in the hole and lit it all on fire. And he told the people, I'm now a follower of Jesus. And he leads Bible studies today because somebody told him about Jesus. There's another man, his name is Masab Hassan Youssef. He is the son of one of the leaders of Hamas. He was raised for the first 18, 19 years of his life, he was raised to carry out the, the atrocities that Hamas lives out. He was in prison, in jail in Jerusalem. And somebody said, you need to come and you need to hear about Jesus. He got out of jail and he found the people on the back of that that invitation that he got, that track that he got. And he found them and he said, tell me about this Jesus because he seems different than the God that I'm following. And those people took and told him about Jesus Christ. And he became a follower of Jesus and for four years he lived with his parents still. Didn't tell them that he had converted to Christianity. But then he told them and his, he had to flee his home. He lives in America now because his parents, he was afraid that they were going to carry out a, a mercy killing because he became a follower of Jesus. But in a jail in Israel, a young man raised under Hamas found Jesus Christ. This was just a few years ago. Here's another person. Her name is Sharon. Sharon professes by her story that she was a drug user and a prostitute. And she lived for most of her life going from foster home to foster home, running away, living on the streets, doing drugs. And she said before she was put in prison, she remembers that she went to a, a person that was high on cocaine and had them inject drugs into her neck so that she could get high. 
she was in jail and when they put her in jail they put her with a cellmate they took that one cellmate out she was by herself but that cellmate left a book in her cell that book was Al Capone's Devil Driver was the title of that book and it was a story of the driver for Al Capone who received Jesus Christ as his savior she said I read that entire book at the end of the book I put it down I got on my knees and I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. You see, God is working in miraculous ways that we cannot understand. We don't have to try to figure out how to be neat and unique and creative and figure out these things. God is moving in ways that we don't even see. Here's a man by the name of James. James says he was a gang member and a drug dealer. His confession, his testimony, he said towards the end, before he was arrested and be, going to be sentenced to, to prison, he said on two occasions he remembers driving his car, passenger sitting next to him, firing guns out both windows while he's driving, bullets coming in his car, grazing him. He was sentenced to five years in prison. On Monday he was supposed to go to prison. On Sunday his sister said, will you come to church with me? He said, what do I have to lose? He walked into the doors of that church on Sunday. He heard the gospel message and he chose to follow Jesus. Here's another one. His name is Christopher. Christopher, by his, by his own confession, says, I am a direct descendant. I can trace my lineage back to Muhammad. And you're like, surely, Surely somebody that is a descendant of Muhammad isn't going to get saved. Like, how can the gospel pierce that darkness? He was in Pakistan. He lived in Pakistan, and he said that he was walking down the streets of Pakistan, and this was in the 70s. You have to picture with me the Jesus movement from the 70s. He said there was a tall, blonde, white guy that was standing on a street corner just passing out gospel tracts. And I don't know why in my mind he has a surfer guy accent, but I just figure it's like, hey man, want a track? Hey, have a track. Yeah. And he said he came over and he's like, what is that? He goes, it's the gospel. And he took one. He said he walked 50 yards away from him, was reading it, and turned around and walked back and said, how can now I know more about this God? And he said, well, on the back of it is where you can contact us. And he contacted them. And after being in, in Bible study with them for a while, he received Christ as a Savior and today preaches the gospel throughout the entire world. You see, this book, the book of Acts, is not the end. You and me, we get to be part of the writing of it. Our church, last week when we had Tim Lee here and we said we're going to reach our Jerusalem, we're part of writing the book of Acts. This month as we have missionaries that come in that are from Judea and Samaria, they're here in the States, and we have some that are from the uttermost parts of the earth. You know what we're doing is we work with these missionaries and support these mission partners. We're writing the book of Acts. It's not done. The gospel still wants to get out. And you know whose job it is? Us right here. Today it's your job. 
Your job is not just to come in. And I know this might upset some of you, but your job is not to come here and get coffee. Your job is to go tell somebody about Jesus. They may have questions and you may not have answers. And you know what we do? I don't know. Come on and see. We'll get him to Pastor Scott. He's got the answers. I don't know. But I can only tell you what my relationship with Jesus has done in my life. And when we do that, we'll be amazed at the continuing story that is written about the church that was started 2,000 years ago. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you for what you started over 2,000 years ago and how you began this thing called the church. And you designed it so that we would be the tool that carries the gospel message throughout our world. Father, today would you encourage us and help us to be faithful to continue to write the story of what you began. Lord, if there's one here today that has not followed you as Savior, Lord, they may have questions or doubts. They may, they may not even know where to start. Lord, would you allow them to come up and just talk to our prayer team and just see what you can do in their life. Lord, we thank you and praise you for who you are and what you've done. We ask you to continue to use our church to carry out the mission that you started so long ago. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.